Welcome. You are listening to Intentional Conversations from Nika White Consulting, an encore presentation of our weekly podcast where we intersect diversity, equity, and inclusion with leadership and business. Let the conversation begin. Now, last but not least, you know, I always like to give a formal introduction of our guest co-hosts for the day. I like to read their accolades, their credentials, so that you all will know how in which they're showing up to this space and how in which they even um, are just kind of viewing this this broad work of, of humanity, diversity, equity, and inclusion, belonging, justice. And so I am so super excited to welcome my friend, my sister girl, someone who I admire deeply for her bold voice and her knowledge and deep passion for really trying to eradicate race and erase um, racism that's happening day in and day out, as well as to bring greater awareness around anti-Blackness. So I'm going to read her bio now. Joaquina Reed. Those in her inner circle know her as Kina, so you're going to hear me call her Kina today. She is a Jedi Justice, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion Practitioner and founding steward of J. Reed Consulting, LLC. This is actually her one-year anniversary, so happy anniversary, Kina. She holds an MA in Communication Studies and formerly held a dual faculty administrator role at LSU. Louisiana State University. That's been a, a, a university's name that's been a hot topic of late, right? Um, the women are the, the champions. Um, and also the director of forensics while she was at LSU. It has been her deepest honor to be an aunt, an educator, a published researcher, conference presenter, and keynote speaker. She is also the creator behind the Divesting from Whiteness and Please Say Black podcast and curator of the Anti-Black Reader Project. We're going to learn about all of those today. Every day, she wakes up committed to moving us closer to the goal line of shared humanity. As a lifelong learner and educator, she affirms the words of her great ancestor, Anna Julia Cooper. A cause of freedom is not the cause of a race or a sect, a party or a class. It is the cause of humankind, the very birthright of humanity. I love that. As a DEI practitioner with a justice-oriented approach, she is fully invested in helping individuals and organizations identify their cultural incompetence and biases, assesses organization structure, design interventions, and move forward with holistic strategies that support organic change. She lives and works on the unceded territory of the Huma Chaktwa peoples. And we're going to hear some more about that as well. So you know what to do, Vodcast community. Take to the chat, whatever kind of affirmations that are coming up for you. Let's welcome our guest co-host today. If you're watching us live through LinkedIn, then certainly feel free to go to the comments. But let's let Joaquina know how much we really appreciate her saying yes to our invitation and joining us today for what I know is going to be a riveting conversation. And she doesn't know this yet, but one of the things, Kina, that I always do at the start of the conversation, we've read your bio, we know your credentials, your accolades, right? But we want to know some things that we would not be able to read in your bio or your LinkedIn profile. So as you greet us in your own way, Kina, I also invite you to share some things about you that we would not know from your bio or your profile to help us get a little bit of a deeper glimpse into who you are and how you show up to the world. Welcome, my friend. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for having me. I've been really <laughs> excited about this conversation and I have promised myself I'm going to be on my best behavior. That's listen, listen, you're always on your best behavior. Look, there's there's nothing off the table here, okay? Right? We want everybody to bring their authentic selves. And so, yes, I'm so glad you're here. But yes, what do we not know about you, Kina, that you can I share with us? So most people don't know why Kina is the name that was given to me by my father it means god will establish that's something a lot of people mm. don't know mm -hmm. uh, i love these earrings too thank you secondly <laughs> uh most people don't know that i have a tattoo of africa that the entire continent um and all the islands that surround it um and then thirdly people probably don't know that i am a big turtle enthusiast i actually collect turtles and so when i go out of town or when people gift me uh I collect title figurines and so really? for a very long time that was my um animal my given animal that I would uh you know when people ask you if you were an animal what would you be it would be forever I would say turtle that's not true now that is okay 
So I'm curious about that. Share a bit more. Why? Why a turtle? Well, growing up, I was such an introvert. Um, shout yeah. out to Sharon. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm so excited she'll be on your show soon. Um, <laughs> which is really weird because that is not who I am now, right? Mm -hmm. And so I would always say, I'll go in my shell and then I'll come out, you know, if I feel comfortable and cozy. Um, and now there's no shells to be had. Your girl is out there. Like it's your girl. Yes, yeah. So you're, <laughs> she is very much out there. Let me just yeah. tell you, you all are going to be able to experience all of her goodness today. And I'm so grateful to have you. Now, I do want to acknowledge that you and I have been chatting even before the top of the hour. You mentioned that the area was experiencing some storms. And so are you safe right now, Kina? I am safe. Louisiana stays soggy you know yeah. so the thunder is gone the rain is still here so okay i'm drunk okay well listen we want you to be safe and so if you feel at any time that you need to jump off or you're sensing something's around the corner then you not you, a you collective, take yourself not okay? a collective run right like does we run and just start running down the street like <laughs> you know us black women know how to run from the rain now come on yeah running, okay collective trauma <laughs> response what Exactly. And again, um, happy anniversary to you. Happy one year anniversary. That is a I milestone. Tony, and so Tony, that's what I was expecting. I'm slipping today. I don't have like my playlist to be able to bring that to the conversation. But yeah, just imagine this, you know, play it in your head, y'all. Tony, 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 it's our anniversary. Okay, I want to jump right in because I'm sure that we're going to get to the end of our time and we're going to feel like, oh my gosh, we could have gone on and on and on. And so one of the things, Kina, that we like to do on the Intentional Conversations podcast before we really jump in to, you know, delving into some of the topics that we know our, our audience is expecting is we have to bring in some of the latest news that um, is breaking and it's top of mind for a lot of people. And yesterday, where there was no shortage of that, I think we all um, have been exposed to what's taking place in Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee. And um, I let let's 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 jump right in. There's no need for us to um, to to sugarcoat this. Or so for those who, for whatever reason, maybe last night you decided to take a break from you know TV and social media, and you aren't aware. Um, Tennessee, they had a protest where a lot of individuals were protesting for greater gun security, protect our babies, protect our kids. Right? We know about what happened recently, where um, the fatalities within um, the school. And so two of the representatives, actually three of the representatives were part of that protest, um, Justin Pearson, Justin Jones, and Gloria Johnson. Um, Justin Pearson and Justin Jones are men of color, um, Black men specifically, and Gloria Johnson is a white female. And so um, the two Black men got expelled. There was a vote, and um, Gloria Johnson was saved by, by one vote, um, but albeit she was saved. And so, Kina, what are your reactions? Um, what do you think the implications are of the optics? What do you think the the reasons um, for the, the the divisiveness? And and how should we be thinking about what role we can play to help bring greater awareness around those key factors that people need to have top of mind as they're just processing what has just occurred? Oh gosh, there's so much. There's still so much to process. I think my first reaction, I'm really angry. I, I'm very angry. I think that for people who are living in the United States and particularly, we are seeing in real time in front of us, I, you know, I've been jokingly saying like McCarthy 2.0, um, but a real rise in fascism, um, authoritarianism, all those things. And so my first reaction is like, wow, like we're just going to all like sit back and just watch democracy just be eradicated. Um, so that's that first reaction. I feel strongly that um, like Nicole Hannah-Jones has pointed out in the beautiful project that is the 1619 project. 1619, yeah. That uh black folks in particular the descendants of enslaved people have embodied democracy in ways that no other group has and i think that the justins highlighted that yesterday right yeah. um mm -hmm. we have had to 
alongside other people of the global majority, alongside women, various groups of folks who are vulnerable populations in the United States. But we've had to rely on legislation, mm -hmm. right, to protect our lives. I'm going to take it a step further. Black mm -hmm. folks had to rely on legislation to even be considered citizens and humans in the United States. And so when you're relying on legislation for your survival, for the possibility to even thrive, then you're going to be all about democracy. You're going to be out mm -hmm. there trying to practice it, trying to keep it protected. And that's what I saw. I saw two Black men yesterday who were embodying democracy and were and experienced punitive damage as a result of that. And yeah. let it never be mistaken that an attack of, against democracy is always an anti-Black attack mm -hmm. because yeah. of things like that. In addition to the fact that the idea of representative government comes from the continent, we're not going to go there, right? But I'm just saying, so I, sometimes it's frustrating to hear these conversations because people are trying to divorce them from the, the racialized component, from the gender component. But any attack on democracy in the United States is also an anti-Black one. Yeah, I love that you amplified that. I think it's so important for us to make sure that we don't gloss over that. Any attack on democracy is an anti-Blackness attack. And I don't think that too many people are connecting those dots the way that, Kina, you have and that you always amplify. And we need to make sure that we continue to press upon um, society just in general to consider that, the genesis of all of this. And so I, I so appreciate your voice. Um, it's, it's interesting to me that the timing of you and I connecting for this conversation occurred the morning after um, yesterday's incident. Um, and and I, I am so tremendously grateful for your voice. I've been following your work. And, and I think that it really impresses upon so many people to go deeper um, and to sit with interrogating their thoughts, their biases, right? And I'm hoping that it's creating some change, some change in people. Are you seeing that directly with some of the work um, that you've been doing? So I think that they're unfortunately one of the byproducts, and I wanna be thoughtful because I don't wanna get, one of the byproducts of the last administration um, has made people who maybe felt some level of comfort Right, mm -hmm. we talk about the idea of um, of the reactionary response to Barack Obama, right? And so I think there was this illusion for some people, in, including people who look like us, right? Absolutely, that we had some kind of way arrived at this place where balance, right? Um, we were living in a just society, and so. I, what I see is people who've never paid attention to political processes. Uh, I have family members who watch the news now that didn't watch the news 10 years ago. So I do see people trying to have an increased awareness of what's going mm -hmm. on in the world. Yeah. What, what I'm probably the most removed from, and it's simply because of the context of my life, is what younger people will be doing um, really to kind of show up and to remind the older generation what's at stake. And so yeah. I'm hoping that, that that's what this moment creates, that yeah. kind of momentum. But I, I do think it's very easy for folks because of life, life, life in, right? To be urgent and not prioritize. And I always say that those are two different things, right? Yeah. Some people will say, be urgent, be urgent. And I feel like urgency is a tenet of supremacy culture. Uh, where you let your feelings kind of dictate mm -hmm. the choices, but then when the feeling goes away, right, we see the same similar thing happen once there is a violent attack of, yeah. of gun violence at schools, people feel all the anger, they feel all the frustration, and then that feeling like minimizes, well, you know this because we see this in DEI work, right, right. so people right. feel all the things, they have big feelings, right, and they're like, we got to do something, and then once those feelings go away, then the activity goes away. And so what mm -hmm. we need people to be, we don't need you to be urgent. I need you to change your priorities. I need you to change your values around these things. There's a difference. Yeah, yeah, no, I love that. Absolutely, absolutely. 
So let's, you know, let's talk about this justice-centered approach to this work, because you really do center justice. And quite honestly, I, I often share that for any DEI practitioner, if you're doing this work and you aren't doing it for the purpose of justice and you aren't centering justice, are you really effective, you know? And, are you and doing my right? No, are you I even doing it? Are, are you, you even, even doing, doing it? it? Absolutely. And so while I have not necessarily put the J into like the DEI and, and using Jedi consistently, it definitely is the core of why we do what we do. And so I want you to just try to talk a little bit further about um, how justice is centered and the way in which you show up to this work and, um, and kind of what is your litmus test for always making sure, am I centering justice here? So let me just say this. Because there, there's been some critiques about even the the phrasing J E D I, right? So if yeah. it throws you off, put the J at the end, right? So some people are like D E I J. It don't matter, right? Let me just put that out there. I'm aware of the critiques about that Jedi component. So out of the University of Albany, there's this uh, the School of Criminal Justice. They have this whole justice project, right? And so they name the idea that justice can often be defined as fairness or, or equal treatment, but that is a complex, right? The mm -hmm. concept of justice is complex. And I would add to that, it's contextual, right? So what it, what it means to be just in 2023 is different than what it meant to be just in 1983, right? So there's a context there. So these things are not static. It's a very fluid conceptualization. But for me, I wanna be really specific because I want people who are watching this and also people who um, uh, watch the replay to have some context. Right. Coca-Cola, no one has to explain to anyone what Coca-Cola is. Y'all know what it is, all right? They have a position called the Director of Global Water Stewardship, mm. all right? Mm. That's a thing at Coca-Cola. Mm -hmm. I mean, hopefully it's still a thing. I didn't double check whose name it is, but I know a couple years ago it was Greg Coke, okay? Why does Coca-Cola have a director of global water stewardship, you may ask. Chat, can y'all ask? Does anyone know? Does anyone know? If anyone in the room Go knows? Go to the chat if you think you know. Share oh, if you think you know. Why? You know. Go ahead. This is a quiz. The old professor <laughs> is like, quiz time. Right? Does anyone know why Coca-Cola has a director of global water stewardship? Because it takes, and look at you, and smart cookie. Okay, and <laughs> it takes water yeah. to make Coca-Cola. Right? And it is a primary ingredient in every Coca-Cola product. But yeah. guess what? Coca-Cola is all over the place and they consume local water resources, right? Yeah. And in some parts of the world, specifically the Asian continent, it was consuming a lot. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. directly impacting the lives of people around them, people who ain't work at Coke. And so <laughs> the justice component of my work is naming that Work happens in communities. Absolutely. It happens in cities. It happens in regions, right? Where the working environment shapes laboring people and laboring people have families and they go to church and they go to synagogue, right? And they take care of their parents. And so if we're talking about making equity in a workspace happen, then we can't divorce labor conditions from the society we live in. Businesses have a significant role in impacting people's material life. And that's why the J must always show up because any organization that I'm advising, any of the leadership that I'm advising, everything that happens at work impacts their families. Everything that happens at work impacts their neighborhoods, their streets. And we would be, we would be very, uh, I don't know the best way to describe it, uh, violent if we didn't mm -hmm. recognize that. Yeah. Well, oh, and, you said second, and a second component of justice for me too is about repairing harms that are yeah. both present and historical, period, all day in the story. Period, all day, full stop. You know, you said, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it, but then you immediately said violent. And I love that even though there was maybe a moment where you were trying to find that right word, I love that you chose violent because while it sounds intense, 
That is the intensity in which we need people to start paying attention, digging their heels in and figuring out how do I now get a part of this movement that is so necessary that is causing us lives, right? And so thank you so much for that. I want to move and talk about divesting from whiteness. First of all, I love the framing there. I love that framing. I have actually started using that um, as opposed to white supremacy. And so um, I want us to spend a little time educating this community for those who are not exactly clear on what does it mean to divest from whiteness? What is that? And, um, and, and how can organizations start these conversations with their staff? I mean, it's not every day you go to the water cooler and you're like, so are you divesting from whiteness today? So help us out, Kina. Help, how, how do we really apply this? Why is it important? What is it? Why is it important? And how do we apply this? Let me in my very Sophia from Golden Girls voice. The year was 2016. <laughs> <laughs> Sophia's my favorite Golden Girl, y'all. Okay, that's something else y'all didn't know about me. Sophia, which is okay. Um, so I always tell people that I have never inherently believed that being white was better, that anything that is kind of, of like anything connected to European story, ancestry, all that stuff. I've never believed I was superior, all right? I stand by that. But I, I've grown up black in the United States and I have believed that everything connected to being white was the standard. It was the default. It was the measuring stick of how I needed to behave, how I needed to show up, what I needed to look like. That I've had investment in. And so when I created the divesting from whiteness platform that manifested years after I started to actually think I can no longer subscribe to this belief that everything about me is faulty and everything associated with whiteness is the best way to live right and so that's part of the clear distinction and if someone were to call me a white supremacist I'm going to punch you in the throat right I've never believed that right and so what we see is a really complicated connection, right? Which is like whiteness as this orientation that anything that is European or Eurocentric matters, it's the default understanding of humanity. Right. That is a standard, right? Um, and then it can get, it's, it's coupled with the white supremacy project that starts with the idea that everything that's associated with being white is better, right? And that mm -hmm. white people in particular are morally, politically, physically, all right, enhanced, right? Yeah. And so yeah. these things really kind of inform each other, but I think it's really important that we understand the difference. I also think it's significant to really acknowledge that there had to be what I call the proper candidate propaganda campaign because that's what whiteness is right mm -hmm. people weren't always white but people weren't always black right you see what I'm saying right. and so when whiteness gets conceptualized where oh if you're from Europe if you look like this then you're better than everybody else so if we're looking at the timeline sis the timeline is you had to have whiteness first because somebody needed to hang their hat on something yeah. and then after establishing the propaganda that is whiteness then people are like and now everyone's morally better right so yeah. just following the, the linearity of the conversation. And I tell this similar way when we think about anti-Blackness, it's not racism that put our ancestors on slave ships. That came later, mm -hmm. right? And so I just think it's important to nuance those things. And especially because for people of the global majority, for people like us, we often inhabit a lot of the behaviors, the values, the ideologies, that make whiteness stick, right? It's oh, really unfortunate to say this, but if Elon Musk went and took all the white people someplace tomorrow, guess what? Sunday morning, we would be waking up and we would still be doing it. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But I, 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 I never would ever name myself as someone who was invested in a white supremacy um, project. That's not true, mm. not for me. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I can name that for so long whiteness was the standard I applied to my life and how I needed to show up. And that's the thing I've actively walked away from. Yeah, I just wanna celebrate that. I think that is so real and, um, and, and we don't talk about it enough because so many of us are just so conditioned to 
um, that whiteness because it's the default. You know, that's the word that you use. It's the default. So it's hard for us to try to separate that from our psyche, even as we're just kind of navigating life on a day to day basis. And so, um, some may question, well, well, why is it important to talk about it? Because that's why. Because if we don't talk about it, then the realization of it is not going to give us pause to where now we're more thoughtful about how do we divest from this. And, and I think it's such an important part of us creating um, an environment and a society to where we don't continue to see whiteness as, as superior. Because what that means is that then the global majority are inferior. And that's certainly not true. So I love that you are so bold with your voice around that. Um, you also have an anti-Blackness reader platform. So how is that um, working? And I know that it inspired your podcast of Please Say Black. So connect the dots for us across those two projects. Yeah, but I also want to give a third interjection before we move forward. Sure. So when I'm critiquing whiteness, because I think a lot of people are always like, oh, are you just talking about um White people know I'm talking about all the people, right? It is not just people who are racialized as white, who uphold whiteness. And for the people who are white that I educate, for those clients, whoever that is, I named that, right? There was absolutely no problem with your white identity, Betsy. Right? And some people are like, what do you mean? You want me to wake up tomorrow like tan? No, that is not, that is not what I'm articulating. Yeah, yeah. Right, I'm breaking down this. Yeah. You were something before you were white. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And in the United States context, right? When Irish people came here, guess what? You weren't white when your ancestors yeah. got here. When Italian people got here, guess what? You weren't white when your ancestors got here. Go back to that. Right. Right. So I just want to make that really clear because a lot of people are like, well, I can't stop being white. No. Right. But recognize that whiteness is an empty construct. Absolutely. And so all of us need to go back to things that are real, that are true. So that I just need to put that out there. I'm glad you did. Yeah. Thank you for that clarity. I'm glad you did. Yes. I mean, even even us black folks, we need to hear this time and time and time again, because, again, we've been conditioned to a lot of the same things as well. And so. Yeah, totally with you. Thank you for that clarity. But not anti-blackness reader and exactly. <laughs> please say black podcast. Tell us about those uh, two. So in October 2019, Atakiana Jefferson was killed. Dallas Fort Worth area. Um, it's a story that we've heard over and over again about a black person just being black yeah. and being the victim of state sanctioned violence. In this case, Atakiana, she put her head out of a window uh, to see what was outside. And I, and I, and I, yeah, mm-hmm. he was playing with her nephew mm-hmm. and stuck her head outside the window and police officers saw the sudden movement, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I say, and I think, I don't know if we're always, by we, I mean Black folks, I don't know, we, we get so... Um, there's so much, Nika. There's so much in the so much. All of these stories, I think sometimes they that one resonated mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Not that rest of them don't, but I saw like I could have been a Tatiana Jefferson, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm an academic. And when I'm confused or lost or uncertain, you're I'm gonna find a book. Right. And so I was like, what about what are we missing? What are we missing in this conversation? Something we're missing. There's something we're missing. And so I did something that I don't recommend anybody do, but I went head on into two different um, schools of thought um, Afro Afro pessimism and Afrofuturism at the same time. And it really is like drinking tequila and vodka. Like it just. Like, what are you doing? Um, and, and I want and you to so, say those words again for this audience. Afro-pessimism. and Afro-pessimism. Yes. Um, and, uh, and so one is about naming futures, the possibilities of people in the diaspora. One is really leveraging the idea of that the very thought of being Black is to be anti, is to not be human. And I said, oh, that's what it is. We have been having conversations about racism 
Mm. And so we're looking at institutions, policy systems, but you can't fix this if you don't even think black people are human. And that's the part that I I had to sit with. And once I had that language, everything else came out of that, you know? So I started to name my, for myself, oh, I'm not just experiencing racism in this, uh, this system. I, uh, people don't really know I'm fully human. And we have the historical records here, right? Yeah. When you think about people, uh, medical professionals just taking Henrietta's uh, Lacks genetic materials with right. BTW, did you know that they've been using her genetic material for COVID interventions? Henrietta, the gift that keeps on giving, but that's the that's what Black women are, y'all, metaphor. If you consider the school of uh, gynecology, right? Yep. So in a lot of ways, there's a limited perspective because people are consistently ch- trying to change systems, which is good work. But we have to really reckon with the fact that there is an ongoing anti-Black genocidal product go- project going on. And so part of why people can dismiss the Justin yesterday and silence so many other people across the African diaspora, because people are struggling to see us as actually fully human, period. And so from that, I created the Anti-Blackness Reader because I thought, oh, wow, like people really need to be able to understand Mm -hmm. how this is showing up. Black people need to be able to understand this have this language and please say black was the like the the like the the external resource attached to that because I just wanted to have conversations with people throughout the diaspora Mm -hmm. to celebrate how we have been able to create humanity for ourselves in a world that can't give it to us so those projects were birthed out of um that experience and that revelation for you that you felt was really really strong pull to um, help educate others. Um, And so I do wanna make sure that we share into the chat um, how this community can get connected to your anti-Blackness reader platform, as well as um, Please Say Black podcast. I believe my team has all that information, but if you just wanna quickly socialize that, um, the love for this community to have value of knowing how to connect. I want to tell you why the name is the anti-blackness reader so you can laugh because you're educated too. Do you remember when we were kids and you would go to school and they'd have those days with the book fair? Oh, you remember yeah. the book fair and they give you the oh, little course, readers? Yeah. And so they would you have a little thing you had to check your book. Yes, I do. Exactly. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> and so it was a it's just a double entendre because it's like, oh, I want to give people resources to read more about this. But then also it's like, but we're going to be reading people for being anti-Black out here. And so (laughs) and you can find it on Instagram. (laughs) You can find the Please Say Black podcast wherever people be getting podcasts from. And I wanted it to, I think as Black people, we often feel like in the United States, we have to throw our stuff in with everybody else so we could be like for folks to pay attention to us, right? Like even the concept of person of color, right? Which I don't use that language anymore because Mm -hmm. it's Black women in particular in consciousness raising groups in the 70s being like, okay, the only way we're going to make people pay attention to us is if we just say all the women of color here, right? right? And then maybe our issues will be addressed. And so from a DEI perspective, I think you cannot go wrong when you lead into specificity. I'm over here talking about Black people stuff. That doesn't mean other people stuff don't matter. But I'm tired of us having to kind of throw our names, throw our experiences in the hopes that if we just go along with everybody else, maybe some of the things that harm us will be dealt with. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. I think we need to stop. I agree with that. Specificity, I talk often about um, the importance of that. You can't, we're not a monolith. You can't group us all together. And don't follow up your questioning around it with the what about isms, because we're not negating the, the needs of other identities and communities just by bringing to the fore the need of this one group that is 
I would venture to say, and a lot of us agree with this, the most oppressed and marginalized Black woman. And so I, I'm totally with you on that, Kima. I'm watching the time, and I want this audience to know that we will be shifting momentarily to take your questions, your comments. You can let us know that you're willing to contribute by using the raise hand feature if you're here a part of our Zoom community. Um, if you are joining us by LinkedIn Live, you can place your question into the chat. So my team is paying attention there and they will bring those questions over to this community. Um, and if you are here and you would like your question to be presented on your behalf, then you can also place it into the chat and we will present it within the time that we have remaining. So I will go ahead and ask the next question, but I always like to put that prompt out there so people can get prepared. So think about your questions that you want to, um, to ask. I want to talk about your ACT principle. You have an ACT principle, Kina, and it's really an ACT right, which I love it, ACT. And so it's about advocating for self and others, practicing critical compassion, and moving through spaces with transformative transparency. So how can we tell if someone's attempt to act right is performative or not? Because we're seeing a lot of that. And what can be done to correct this behavior in corporate spaces? Because that is happening every day. And uh, yeah, every day. Every day. Listen, listen, first of all, act right comes from my mama now. All right. Like, you know, when you was in church, a little girl. Thank you, mama now. Yes. You better act right. You, know? you better act right. <laughs> you better act right. Um, so, you know, shout out to, to, to mama now, you know what I'm saying? Um, I feel like this would be a whole, this would need to be the second time I come on your show, sis, because here's the thing. You need a whole hour for this conversation. How can we tell if someone's attempt to act right is performative? Well, look at results, right? Yeah. Look at the budgeting or in, or in your organization, right? Yes, there may be decreases everywhere, right? But look at what's consistent. Where are we consistently pulling money from? Where are we consistently taking resources from? I say this all the time. You could tell a lot about a place or a person depending on where they spend their resources. Where they spend their money, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Not just their money, right? Money is one Human thing. Human capital not, too. Your You're time, right. all the your above. energy, yeah. all of that, right? So listen, I know that you like being cute because every time I see you, you cute. You see, like you cute today, right? So- <laughs> look at the eyebrows what you get what I'm saying but like you could just tell like yeah. and, and then you look at me like well he didn't do eyebrows today so listen she ain't put you so all I'm saying is you tell a lot about somebody but see I yeah. keep I keep a fly pair of earrings on deck so you wow. say you tell a lot of where people are willing to put time and energy and at this point Absolutely. and I'm gonna say this with my whole chest or like the young people say 10 toes down DEI intervention should be considered operational cost. Operational cost at this point. Yeah. It's not luxury. It's not substance. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. Operational. Just like yeah. you factor in money for water, Coca Cola. <laughs> yeah. It is essential. And it's it's so unnerving how now we're seeing where the, the big commitments that were made after George Floyd's murder, many of those organizations now are being criticized because where are the results, right? And so I would venture to say, you know, using using your act right model, they're not acting right. And uh, oh. we need evidence of, of, of how they're going to make that right. And it's so disheartening. Let me tell you, I was on, and I know you've had this experience too, a, a potential discovery call. There are, ooh, I gotta, mm -hmm, how, 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 how do I want to fix it up, sis? If you are in 2023 doing business, yeah, and I go, and I'm not, I, I don't go by stock photos, but like, listen, if you can't even manage to have a fake black person on your website, something, something, you could even pull out a stock. I mean, goodness gracious, go to Google you know like yeah so i'm just saying like this idea yeah because y'all yeah. could have the fake black person like yeah you know so saying? some are not even trying some are not I'm even trying some don't care to try but that goes back to what yeah. i said about urgency versus prioritization y'all were urgent in 2020 mm -hmm. but priorities did not change and absolutely. if your priorities had changed your budget would have changed too no absolutely Okay, so I do believe we have our first question, Kina, and this comes from Kwabana, Lucas J. Collins. And hi, Kwabana, you're actually typically always here with us in person, but maybe today 
Um, you're just in an auditory capacity, but which we appreciate nonetheless. And your question is, I am curious as to how you address the story of mixed kids in Blackness. I'm curious as to how you address the story of mixed kids in Blackness. Yeah. So you're talking about uh, multiracial, biracial kids. Um, and how do you how how do you approach that when you're talking about Blackness? I mean, I don't. <laughs> um, but maybe this is a coming from a tender place. So I'm going to try to do my best. Mm -hmm. I'm not someone who believes in the concept of gatekeeping. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, I think trying to determine what is black is complex. It's fluid. Yeah, all right. Especially when we think about in the United States context, descendants of enslaved folks. Right. Um, and like, to your point, we're not monolithic. You know, I think a lot of people think that all black folks are the descendants of slave, uh, enslaved. That's not true. Shout out to all the people who plan on hiring people for Juneteenth this year. If this person is not a descendant of enslaved folks, right? Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Okay. <laughs> like, <ugh. laughs> okay. Not, not, we are not all the same. Okay. Yeah. So there's that. So yeah. all I could say is that I think the expansiveness is full of the expansiveness of black is full. I think blackness for the most part the the heart of it the premise of it is the retention of uh African culture people beliefs right right um um I think in the United States is also unfortunately a lot about who's being racialized as such all right mm -hmm. the truth is Nika and you when you and I go into a grocery store like we will, somebody will look at you like I wish I could hand you my baby and you could be my mammy <laughs> I wish I can enslave her. So I think there's a racialized component of it. I think there's a storied component of it, right? I think that I get to walk through the earth and get the privilege of being a Black woman. But I also know that I get to be, walk through the earth. And even if I didn't find that to be a privilege, it would be put on me anyway. Yeah. Good thing I love it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I think all of those things are part of the story. Um, and then I'll say this and Obviously, this person can reach out to me individually if there needs to be more support around this. I'm not advantageously Black. So I don't have the benefit of being able to not show up as a Black person. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important. Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes with multiracial people, we often see people getting to choose when they get yeah. to show up with Blackness. And that's something that needs to be considered. Mm -hmm. No, I appreciate that. I think that's important. Yeah, that, that's important amplification. Um, thank you, Kwab, and I know that you're joining on LinkedIn um, Live today. So I appreciate your question. Um, I, I think we have maybe another one here. So I'm trying to get to it quickly. Um, let's see. And if you get if you see it before me, Keen, I want you to, to read it. For oh, some I reason. Wasn't even, oh, I wasn't even looking at the chat. I was okay. No, you're fine. You're fine. Let me I see was, if I can get to it. It's for some reason it's there, like stuck for me. Is there a difference between our feelings on our own blackness and how we are viewed by others? Others. Okay. Okay. Um oh well, really that's Erica. Okay, Erica Shaw. So Erica's been on um, my show before too. Hi, Erica. Hi, thanks Erica. for being here. But yeah, she was really just, you know, amplifying. There is definitely a difference between our oh, feelings. Oh, yeah. Our feelings and uh, blackness versus how we're viewed by others. Absolutely. But I love what you said, Keen. And I think that is an important distinction, you know, to Quabana's question. How, how are we talking about people that are multiracial? And which that's a large percentage of people, multiracial and biracial. Uh, yeah, it is all about um, just at least acknowledging the significance of there is a little bit of choice there for all of us that are 100%, solid 100%. Mm -mm, that's it. This is this is who we are, and this is how we show up, and this is, um, and, and there's nothing that we can do about that. And, um, I, and I also want to name I'm again what I said at the top, which is yeah. I'm not out here gatekeeping blackness. Of, right? of course, I know yeah. There's a movement for that to happen, and I would never hang my hat in that direction. But I do think we need to recognize that we live in a world, especially now, where racial ambiguity does create some social leverage. Are you Latina? Yes. Are you? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so. Yeah, because people need to recognize the larger context. 
Of course, yeah. And, you know, we talk often about the complexities of that, especially for individuals that really do um, value their, their 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 ethnic side and they are maybe white presenting, right? And it's like, how do I navigate spaces when it's like people don't even know? Yeah, so I, I do think that's really important to, to call out. Okay, oh my gosh, time is running out, Kina. Okay, I want to talk about Juneteenth because you did mention it just a moment ago. It's around the corner. So... Y'all make sure that y'all having your conversations now. You have a little bit of a runway. <laughs> um, but it, it is a federal holiday now. And um, and many people certainly um, are planning to have their own type of celebrations. And they need to start planning now. So how can we plan for Juneteenth? And what are some recommendations from your vantage point um, for a holistic event to commemorate the day meaningfully? Meaningfully. Also, let's just name that most of the people who are going to be off for Juneteenth are not people who are descendants of enslaved folks. Yeah. 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 One, folks have, to, folks have to recognize that they got to talk about enslavement, right? Like, I think they, <laughs> first of all, <laughs> I think there are people out here who really feel like, how can we talk about Juneteenth but not talk about the slavery part? Yeah. So let's yeah, just start part. there. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to talk about slavery. Get uncomfortable. Right. It's okay. It's okay. It's true, right? Secondly, budget for it. Be mindful of the debt, right? Because what it looked like you being like, Nika, can you come do a talk for uh, Juneteenth? But uh, we only got. What's a no for me? <laughs> and it's yeah, it's a no for me. That still hasn't paid reparations. You're not. Yeah. You're not going to do. Right, so be mindful of the debt. That's so important to me. Third, you can also be excited about it because it's an opportunity to not only acknowledge the debt that was paid because of chattel and slavery enslavement, but also there is a legacy we can celebrate, right? I get so excited whenever I get to talk about Harriet Tubman, right? So I'm just saying there's also some excitement. Stop treating it like this thing that you just have to get through right absolutely absolutely and yeah to, and shout out to our friend our sister friend janice right she's janice on yes such, she does such a good job of this people literally contact janice and be like hey we want you to come do a juneteenth talk and janice be like y'all do know i'm not uh, a descendant of enslaved people right and i <laughs> love her for that you hear what i'm saying like she's naming it which goes back to we are not a monolith she understands right. The difference right. between immigrating here as opposed to you or having family who immigrates here as opposed to like Joaquin is 93% African. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody yeah. in my family yeah. ever been to Africa. Yeah. Right. So we yeah. are not the same. So if you are going to hire someone to come into your organization and do leadership, do facilitation, do training, it should be right, which is different because Black History Month is different. But for Juneteenth, yeah. It should be about the descendants of enslaved people, period. Yeah. Don't yeah. get Becky to come in there. And I've heard wind of this, Nika, and it's so upsetting. Why is Becky doing the Juneteenth event? Why are the people of South um, Asian descent mm -hmm. leading those conversations? Why did mm -hmm. you pay that person to do that thing? Yeah. So when you say leading the event, you're talking about being like being the content. They're they're delivering yeah. whatever kind of message and programming. And I wanted to clarify that because yeah. I do believe that one of one meaningful way that our non-black brothers and sisters can help support a meaningful celebration of Juneteenth is not just by wiping their hands and saying, okay, well, you black people, you go and plan your own celebration. I do think that it's very appropriate for them to lend whatever kind of support that they can, whether it's the resources, whether it's the advocacy of doing something to bring something of value. But I think oftentimes it falls flat when, um, you know, all of the, the Black people in the organization are charged with, you know, even having to fight to get a, a, some resources to be able to do something to acknowledge well, Juneteenth, you know. Think about birthday party, right? If I yeah. want to celebrate you, I'm not going to say, Nika, celebrate your birthday party, like plan your exactly, birthday party. Yeah. Plan your own birthday like, party. What, right? 
I might have conversations with you leading up to your birthday, like, what would make you feel special this what year? What do you seek? Yes, you absolutely. What are the things that are, what feels good? And then yes. after listening to you. Yes. Because it's your that birthday. Is, yes, yes. Then I'm going to go yep. and cut. I'm going to gather with your family and friends yep. and be like, okay, y'all, peep this. This is what Nika wants for her birthday. Let's make yep. it happen. That is it such a great analogy. That difficult. Yeah, that is such a great analogy. I often say nothing about me without me. So yes, if you're going to go off and do something, then that more so is about those individuals and not about meaningfully trying to celebrate and recognize the meaning of Juneteenth to the people that are most directly impacted by the Juneteenth holiday and celebration. So nothing about me without me. Kina, we're running out of time. So sis, you got to come back. Um, I saw in the chat someone said, who is Janice? And so y'all, Janice has been on our show. Dr. Janice, I should say, Dr. Janice Gassam. And um, so she has been on our show before. Please, please, please make sure that you go back and find the replay. She is amazing. And she does a lot order, of work around anti-black. Yes, we order her book on <laughs> decentering whiteness. I'm going to butcher the title. Kina, you know it. What is it? We're going to place it into the chat. Decentering whiteness. Janice, you place it into the chat for us, please. Um, but it's coming out, I think, like around the June time frame. So, yes, pre-order her book. And, um, yep, there we go. It's in the chat. And, uh, yes, make sure if you're not connected to Dr. Janice um, that you get connected. And so if you haven't already, um, Dr. Janice, make sure you share your LinkedIn into the chat. Akina, we have shared all of your information as well. Uh, yes, if you're looking for a speaker for Juneteenth, if you're looking for someone to come into your organization and help you to get a better understanding of what anti-Blackness is and how you can I be a participant. A, a workshop. I probably should have said that. I'm one of the few consultancy firms that offers yeah. a specific workshop and training around anti-Blackness auditing and addressing it in the workplace. I love that. Auditing and addressing it address auditing anti-Blackness in the workplace. Yes. And that's not on a lot of people's radar. <laughs> but it needs to be. So y'all, check out my friend, look her up, connect with her, follow her content. It is really rich. And, and Kina, this is not going to be the last time that, of course, we will invite you on to share more because, I mean, I have like pages of other topics we could have gone into. Um, Thank you for anyway, absolutely. And congratulations on the third anniversary of this podcast, this vlog class. Thank you. Thank you so, so, so very much. Uh, I appreciate all of you joining us for Intentional Conversations podcast. Shout out to my team, of course, that always does a great job in helping us to bring an experience that I feel like is really worthwhile of people's time. And um, it is Good Friday. Be safe. Have a wonderful weekend. And we look forward to seeing you back next week for Intentional Conversations podcast. Thank you all so very much. Bye-bye.